The first reading is taken from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 10, beginning at verse 34. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message of God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on the tree, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is the end of the first reading. The Gospel according to St. Matthew, uh, starting at chapter 3, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptised by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptised by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfil all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptised, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is the Gospel of the Lord. I speak in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Do sit down. We're in, the, uh, we're in the season of Epiphany, the sort of climax of the season of Epiphany with the celebration of the baptism of Christ. And I wonder if you've ever had a personal epiphany, uh, you know, like um, Archimedes discovering about how to estimate the volume of given mass, or Newton and the famous story of the, uh, the apple falling on his head, and uh, the uh, epiphany moment about gravity. It is alleged, apparently, uh, that 
Darwin's um, hunch about natural selection, which sort of came to him while he was sailing across the Atlantic on the Beagle, was an epiphany moment. I don't know that Darwin would have called it that, but uh, uh, that's what people say. And of course, all of those, those three scientific uh, epiphanies followed months, if not years, of research, hard work, and intellectual endeavor. Uh, but a moment, a moment of breakthrough, a moment of realization, of enlightenment, if you like, of it all clicking, came. There may be some here this morning who have had, who have had such moments, and, and perhaps it was life-changing, perhaps a moment when your career was redirected, perhaps when you chose your life partner, love at first sight, my wife had an epiphany moment like that, I'm told. Uh, we met, um, we met uh, just up by the light in November 1971. Uh, I was living in a flat next door to actually where Pete Gunston now lives, 159 Banbury Road. And uh, I met Sue on the pavement outside our, our house. And she assures me that it was an epiphany moment for her. <laughs> Certainly, when I met her mother, her mother a few weeks later my future mother-in-law. She certainly had an epiphany moment, I think, at that moment anyway, but there we go. But maybe, maybe it's discerning a, a new truth of some sort. Conversion, Christian conversion, is in many ways an, an epiphany. We see, for the first time, what we could not see clearly before. And the epiphany in the Bible is, of course, the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. That is, that is the enlightened truth that becomes known to the world. In the Western church, historically, that's often been associated with the visit of the Magi, the wise men. Their collective realization on behalf of the non-Jewish world that Christ is the true king of the whole world. The recognition that Matthew, as Matthew tells the story, that here is, here is the true light that has come into the world, and some have seen it, including wise men from the East. In the Eastern church, uh, historically, uh, the epiphany became associated with the scene that we had read for us from Matthew chapter, C, uh, chapter 3, the baptism of Jesus. And, uh, uh, and uh, uh, John, having baptized Jesus, uh, and those around him hear the voice from heaven, the voice of the epiphany, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Luke makes the, the same point by quoting the Nunc Dimittis. We thought about that the other day here at 8 o'clock. Jesus is a light to lighten the Gentiles. So ancient Simeon, who has been hoping and hoping against hope for so long, uh, can at last see and be certain. So he says in those wonderful words in the, in the Nunc Dimittis, epiphany words, my eyes have seen your salvation. My eyes have been opened. I've had an epiphany. In John's Gospel, interestingly, the epiphany is often related to the wedding in Cana in Galilee, when Jesus saves the day uh, by turning water into wine. And some of the servants and the disciples, it's not generally known amongst the guests, just amongst those close to Jesus and, of course, Mary, uh, who are in on the, just a few people who are in on the secret of what Jesus has done. And, uh, and they have an epiphany. John tells us, he thus revealed his glory... And his disciples put their faith in him. 
and maybe for some of them, years later, were saying, we really saw who Jesus was at that wedding in Cana in Galilee when he turned the water into wine. That's when the scales fell from our eyes. When and, when and, uh, when and where did something that was a, th- a theory to be interested in become a faith to die for? That is our Christian epiphany moment, when something that we're interested in, have respect for, becomes a faith that we're prepared to die for. And we say, Eureka, that's it. That's where my life is going to be lived from now on. I think many of you know that my epiphany moment, Christian-wise, came in June of 1969, rather in the unromantic setting of the Jay's Babysoft Lou factory in Plasto, London, E16. Like the scientists, I had been searching uh, and reading the Bible uh, for many months, questioning those around me, most in particular David Shepherd, later to be the Bishop of Liverpool. But the epiphany moment came, and I remember it as if it was yesterday, when I bowed my head and prayed, Lord, if you're really there, come and be Lord of my life. I surrender my life to you. That was a eureka moment for me. That was a moment of enlightenment. It was, uh, there was an undoubted and immediate change in how I viewed things. I felt that I had found it, or rather I felt that I had been found. Uh, I immediately stopped hoping, just hoping, that I would be good enough for God, and I knew deep in my heart that I would never be good enough for God but that he loved me because Jesus had died for me and is alive today and had entered my heart by his Spirit. I knew that. I could have shouted Eureka very easily at that moment, although that would have been unusual in the Babysoft factory. I wonder if you've had such a moment as that, such a moment of thinking, that is, that is where I want to hang my coat. That is where I want to live my life. Yes, I see it. That is... That is the kind of person I want to be. That is the truth on which I will hang everything else. If you you heard a moment, it would be good over breakfast to share that with one another. It would be good just to share uh, that story if that moment has happened for you. It's a great encouragement to hear other people's testimony. And, of course, maybe in the new year we could resolve, if we have had such a moment, to be ready to share it with other people. Often we share uh, things that are much less important than that but to share how we came to see that Christianity is true and that that's where we want to live our lives. That's a really helpful thing to share with people. So so the, the epiphany, the epiphany of the Bible, becomes our epiphany the moment that we surrender our lives to King Jesus. That is, that is the moment when things click, the moment of surrender to Jesus as Lord. And what if you're still awaiting that moment? What if you're still longing for that moment just to see it? Well, perhaps this morning, just pause for a moment. Perhaps after you've received the bread and the wine this morning, at the beginning of a, of a new year, uh, perhaps just, just hold your place at the communion rail for a minute or so and just say, Jesus, at the start of this year, I, I surrender. I surrender to you. I commit myself afresh to you. Because I'm sure that the unsurrendered life, when we hang on to our own 
ability to see things, our own desire to control, the unsurrendered life is the surest way to avoid having an epiphany. To surrender is to open yourself to God confirming His truth in your hearts by an epiphany. So this morning, as we receive communion, let's afresh, individually and together, just confirm our surrender to Jesus and and ask Him to, to make His truth clear to us. Lord Jesus, I surrender. Amen.